uh, he's like, I feel like it's it's a maybe a 40, 60, 40, you know, you make it, 60, you don't. But you could turn your 120 grand into a couple million dollars if you want to try it. And I'm like, dude. Roll it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was the last time I saw that money. <laughs> The whole concept for MOVE is M, make a difference. Oh, to offer up your time, talent, and gifts. And B, there's victory in the small things, and E, to encourage others. And so I started to MOVE. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the MOVE podcast. I'm Scotty Carlisle, your host. I guess you can call me that. Uh, for the next 45 minutes, uh, you're going to be stuck with me. But the cool thing is I have a guest. I don't even know the whole story, but I've just gotten little, little slim pickings of certain things. So I'm actually very excited to delve into this. We have somebody very special today. Justin Simpers. How's everybody doing? <laughs> <laughs> we need a we need an audience like well yeah. yeah. We we actually have it over there, but I don't know how to put it on a speaker. So, so I'm gonna figure that out. So next yeah. time he'll do that and yeah. he'll be like, Yay! yeah, that'll be cool. Or a bomb. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wah, wah, wah. yeah, that one too. <laughs> but. Justin, thank you for coming yeah. on the show today, man. Thank you for having me. So thank have you, you listened to any other podcast? Honestly, no. <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Nobody uh, else I, has. I, Except I, for my mom. My yeah, mom. Yeah, your mom yeah. She listened to, I think, two of them. Yeah. And then she's like, Scott, you know. No. I've actually, uh, it's not doing too bad, surprisingly. Yeah. So it was pretty oh, I will check it out for sure. I do promise that. But I, it's just been nutso at the yeah. house and work and everything. It's been crazy. Well, it's, you know, and a lot of times podcasts are long. Oh, yeah. You know? So yeah. hour, two hours. I mean, Rogan, right? Four hours sometimes. Oh, yeah. But so that's, it's my travel time. So, you know, I start it when I'm driving and then I stop it and then I start it. And right, so right. on the ones, do you listen to any podcasts? No. See, there you None go. at all. Okay, no. I don't feel bad now. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I, it, no. I, my wife does, you know, and she does, like, audiobooks, too. I think that I should probably start doing that because I read, you know, but I think it would be When nice. do you have time to read? That's my question. I don't Early, do early morning. Early morning reading. It, it's like when you get up, you know, typically I read either on – I always read on a plane, so whenever I travel, I read a book. You know, sometimes in the early morning, maybe on the weekends if I get time, you know. But, yeah, and I usually always read things that I'm I'm better at, which is like, you know, or, or wanting to explore is like self-help. You know, my yeah. wife, is, <laughs> she, she was even telling me, she's like, you know, you read stuff that you're good at, like a sales books, you know. And I'm like, I, I just can't stop reading those. Yeah, stuff. preaching to the choir, man. Yeah. Preaching to the choir. yeah. Yeah. She's probably saying you should write these books. Yeah, yeah. No, that is something that actually I, I am, I'm not in the process of doing right now, but I will be doing for sure. You know, kind of like life and then my take on sales, you know, and, and, and I, cause I feel like it's a little different, you know, like, uh, the, the, that's what I, I do videos too. um, you know, my YouTube channel and stuff and, and, um, it's sales help and, 
really like I feel like the big miss with the sales books and and you know and and the the people obviously reading them is is the foundation and where you're at in your life, you know? And so like you could, I remember when I started selling timeshare, you know, in, uh, it was 99 and literally I, I was, you know, I threw myself into the industry, you know? Um, I actually owned a subway franchise. I bought the rights when I was 19 and put all the money into that. And then it flopped. And then I ended up on my face, you know, and I, I, came out of nothing just all right i gotta try sales and so okay hold on a second yeah you're 19 yeah and you buy a subway franchise yeah how the hell did that happen so my dad my dad was a bodyguard and and he got in an elevator accident and he was in an elevator and it, it fell 33 floors and so um that happened when i was about 13 or 14 and so he was suing the elevator otis elevator and I, I was in high school and, and, you know, those years of my life, I was, you know, we, we did not have means. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, like everything yeah. was either given to me, a hand-me-down or something like that. And I was working jobs and all that stuff. So anyway, you know, five, six years go by. I, I told my dad, forget about the lawsuit. It's never happening. And so my dad called me. He's like, we, we just got paid, you know. And so as a token, you know, for me stepping up as a teenager and putting the food on the table, you know, my, my dad, you know, he said, well, what do you want to do with, you know, your portion of the money? And I was like, well, I want a business, you know, <laughs> I want to go into business for myself, <laughs> you know? And so, um, I had a, a friend and, um, he actually had some money cause he got hit by a drunk driver. And so he had money sitting there till he was 18. And so we went in together and, and opened up a subway in uh, Burbank, you know? So that was... Uh, man, I got so many damn questions about that. <laughs> Starting with your dad, though, because so 33 freaking stories in an elevator yeah. and he lived. Yeah, yeah. There were actually eight people in the elevator. And um, it, there's a big spring on the bottom of those elevators, like a like a, a you know, a shock spring, kind yeah. of similar. So it, it fell down. The emergency brakes failed. And the, it hit the spring. And apparently it hit the spring. My dad was the only one left standing. Everybody else went laid down, you know, which is what you should do. And uh, he was actually holding a case of wine. And he just, you know, I think froze. And then it broke his back in, in I think, three different places. You know, when it hit, it hit. And then it went up like five, six stories and it came back down. It kind of did bang, bing, bing, you know. And so, yeah. I mean, I came home from school one day, and my dad was like, "I broke my back." He was laying in the chair, and he and, was back home though. Yeah, yeah. He he. They took him to the hospital, took X-rays, like, "Yeah, your back's broken," you know. And there was nothing really to do with that. No fusing, no nothing, you know. And so, uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was an interesting yeah. time. My dad fell off a three and a half story building. He was doing construction. It was on top of a Kmart, and he picked up a sheet of plywood. A gust of wind came in, oh. and he woke up, and um, basically he said his his stomach was swollen out to here. He was in stirrups, and oh. he had they had, he had crushed his spleen, broke like seven ribs. He had to have a, a, a hip replacement, um, jacked up. Said he wouldn't ever walk again, and all that stuff. So, oh, wow. um, so as I grew up, it was like. Uh, Walgreens in my house. You yeah. know, every prescription drug that you can imagine, it was like oh yeah. 
you know, it was a constant, that was a constant thing. Yeah. So, um, and a lot of other issues that, that went along with, with all of those oh, games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, did you have any issues? Like, did your dad ever have any, um, issues with any prescription? Oh, no. Or? My dad was, uh, he's a military guy, a retired military helicopter pilot. So, oh, yeah. So, he was very, you know, straight laced. I, he said he had, had had tried weed one time, and I doubt that ever even happened. I think he said that just to be cool. And my dad's just, he's a straight-laced guy, you know? Yeah, like, you know, apple pie and, and just regular, you know, norm. I call him a normie, you know? So, yeah, he's... he's well, the a, fact that he ended up giving you a portion of that... Oh, yeah. ...is... I mean, that says a lot. Is he still alive now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, he is. He retired to Arkansas, you know? In, in so he's smart too. yeah shortly after he was you know he was he was out of california you know and so yeah he he wanted to be in, in the mountains in the middle of nowhere you know damn so yeah i mean he it, sees the writing on the wall yeah <laughs> he did uh, you know that was uh about 25 years ago that he moved out it, he moved in in 97 you know and so yeah it was he moved out of the house though uh, um, right after you know he got he got the money he was pretty much you know being and then bang you know, <laughs> like you're on your own bud and, I'm like, and then oh. boom <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah pretty much so okay now so you're 19 you just went into business with your buddy yeah um a subway in Burbank yeah and we bit we built it picked the location and everything you know and uh, scouted it out and. You know, it was a it was a process. It took us about. I opened um, I opened a week after my twenty first birthday, so it took us a year and a half, two years to, you know, go to the University of Subway, Milford, Connecticut to, <laughs> to. Uh, I actually had that on my resume at one time for my college experience because I dropped out of college um, to do this. You know, so not recommended um <laughs> anyway so we did all that you know our store was doing really well but my uh you know the city of burbank decided at the last minute they were going to um um do a parking structure behind our store and so i came to the store one monday morning and the whole back of the store it was this is in you know this is in like old town burbank it's it's you know very uh uh I don't even know how to use the words, but it, it's like historic in a way. It's kind of like Old Town Whittier, you know, it's got uh -huh. like this, but they were changing some things. So they boarded up the whole parking lot, which was, you know, 400, 500 spaces behind my store. And um, nobody could park anywhere near the store. So I was like, why are my sandwich sales like $250, you know, because I came in the other way and the guy was like, look, look in the back, you know, and I went in the back and I was like, oh, my God, it had a little notice like construction from, you know, Jan you know, whatever, you know, June of 1997 to, you know, 2002. And I was like, there's not going to be any parking here for five years. You know, our rent was like, uh, what was our rent? It was like $4,000 a month at the time. You know, $250 a, a, a day in sandwich sales is uh, not going to cut it. No. So uh, we ended up having to get out of that business. And we, we, we did sue. We sued the city of Burbank with, you know, Super Crown, uh, World's Gym, Starbucks, La Salsa, like Fat Burger. All of us sued the city of Burbank and we all got nothing, you know, and it was just one of those unfortunate 
events, which, you know, that, that flung me into a, a deep spiral of methamphetamine abuse. You know, like mm. I, I was, uh, I was out there from 97 to 99, you know, I was pissed off at the world. And there was nothing you can do except like, were you able to get out of your lease or? No, I sold it. So I sold it to, um, this gal that I knew who owned a store that was in another part of Burbank. She always liked our store and they bought it and they had a lot of money and they were thinking that they could just ride it out. Cause that store could have been a gold mine, you know? And so after two or plus years that uh, Mo bought the store, she ended up giving it back to the Subway Corporation. And then they operated it for another year or two, and then they paid out the lease, and it's now like a frozen yogurt spot. So, yeah. Damn. I know. Okay, and then now, so then you try to go back to, to college. No, I, oh, I that, yeah, no, I was, so, that was in your resume you put with yeah, your college. Yeah, that was my got college it, and it, the resume it. was the University of Subway Milford, Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, after, after that, um, you know, I, I was really pissed off at the world. Like my partner and I, Donald, we had like, uh, I don't know, about 60 grand a piece. We had a bunch of cars and we were just trying to restore them and make money doing that. And, um, you know, I ended up discovering what meth was and, and, you know, that quickly ended all of that. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. It has know. a habit of doing that. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean. What, so, okay. So obviously when you go down that road, there are a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a shit storm, right? Oh yeah. And then usually life has a shit storm. You have an umbrella, oh, but yeah. you sold that. So you get meth. <laughs> so now the shit storm is just. Hitting you right upside your head, basically. It, yeah, it was hitting me right upside the head. And I, you know, got involved with people I probably didn't need to be involved with and, and did things that, you know, I, I could never imagine myself doing and stealing and doing all kinds of just dirty stuff, you know. And 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 I, I say this you know, because my sobriety is twofold, you know, it's, it's the meth sobriety, which was a hard, hard bottom. Physically, I was 178 pounds, you know, I was just depleted, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, I ended up, you know, getting out of California and going to live with my dad in Arkansas. And that's, you know, where I, I sobered up from meth and it was a, you know, so you had to take yourself out of the situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up going out there and, you know, it was um, probably two months, you know, of, of about a month of being in bed, you know, because I, I was not I was not a functional user with that drug. It was, you know, completely consumed me. And now, was that the only thing? Because usually when you're doing meth, there's other there's other things no, yeah. that you're... <clears throat> that was the only thing. I, I did not ever get into, like, the speedball combos or anything like that. I, I only did meth and, you know, smoking it was my thing. You know, I didn't, you know, needles or anything like that. No. Uh, I can't say that I had morals with that, you know. Right, but right, right, but right. it's just something that I didn't really, you know, I just didn't feel necessarily the... I, I didn't desire to go any deeper. It was, like, perfect for me, and you know. And so, um, and what's your dad? What what was the conversation with your dad? My dad, you know, he was he he was in the don't ask, don't tell mode when I came out there. You know, he was like, you need a place to stay. I got you. You know, uh, he he was it was a perfect situation for me. And him and his wife, at the time, you know, we lost her last year, but she, you know, they both were were super, you know. Um, 
uh, welcoming and forgiving, you know. And I ended up telling them what happened, and, and my dad's just kind of like, ah, that's okay, I still love you, okay, bye, bye. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I ended up telling them, you know, what happened, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, so that's when I started in sales, you know, I got, I was, I wasn't, you know, on meth anymore. And I, I started, I started in sales and then that was timeshare, you know? <laughs> so, so that was your first sales job was yeah, timeshare. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty hardcore sales. It is hardcore sales. <laughs> I mean, it's the, like out of my, my whole career is, you know, almost 30 years of doing that. Cause I, I consider the subway sales cause I sold our store, you know, I went door to door selling, Hey, I'll bring you sandwiches for lunch. You got to try it. You know? So that, that was also sales, but um, that was like, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, Boiler Room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just you got to read these books, go to these classes, take this course, do this, do that, trying to box everybody in and, you know, and, and, and a kid trying to sell a timeshare that has never really taken a vacation as a family anyway is a total, <laughs> you know, different situation, right? Like that's. But, you know, it, when I when I hit it, like I, I literally, you know, in the first couple months of selling timeshare, I, I was salesperson of the month a couple months in a row, you know. And so it was kind of like I took to it, you know, because yeah. I could relate, you yeah. know, and I'm like, I'm listening to you. I'm diving in, but I, I can relate. And so um, to, to pretty much anybody. And then then I started figuring out the, the timeshare where I was at. They actually got the FBI came in. And so oh, they shit. were they were pitching heat, you know, and selling bullshit. And so I did not know, you know, I'm just like a kid with a deer, you know, <laughs> the headlights and, and I'm the deer, you know, and I'm just <laughs> crossing the street. I had no idea. And, you know, so I left. I left that place. And but that affected my my sales ability, you know. And, and so I was kind of like a I was a good salesperson, a top one. And then I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. I need to go back to California, you know. So the timeshare was in Arkansas. Yeah. Got it. It was actually in Branson, Missouri. Ooh. My dad lives in, in northern Arkansas, which is 20 minutes outside of Branson. Got it. So I was selling, you know, timeshare to, to you know, a bunch of middle middle America, you know. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> so, you know, um, but I, I, you know, that would, that, I, I wouldn't change that for anything you know the experience i got from that at yeah. all you know? well i mean after you deal with in that environment you get like your your knife gets sharp oh sharpened. yeah because there's a lot of chunks that oh yeah you know? <laughs> and they come quick yeah they come quick and so yeah i mean that then i ended up in back in california my buddy's couch and i was bouncing at, at a bar at, at night and selling um lease financing by day you know so it was cold calls it went from in person ah, to pure it. you know how many coldies did you make today Dialing for dollars. oh yeah and so you know they hired it was a typical sales environment they hired you know 20 people and and after a year it was me and one other guy that were left out of that group you know and so i i did okay there i didn't i didn't do bad you know but uh i will mention though so my soft bottom with so i you know i never really had a problem drinking you know pills i can go down the wrong road and have done that in my past but the soft bottom for me was marijuana and that for me, you know, became an eighth a day habit that I had where I couldn't, I couldn't 
go out on a date. I couldn't go to Gotta sleep. Get your head right I first. Eat. I couldn't finish eating. I couldn't see a movie. I couldn't do anything without getting high. And so that lasted a long time. And so, you know, anyway, I, I just wanted to mention that because that is like the, um, that is a constant in all of these adventures that I'm talking about with where I'm working, what I'm doing, you know? Well, when did that start? Right after I, I got sober from um, meth, when I got my first set of friends in, in Arkansas. You know, it was like, oh, we got weed. I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> thank you. You know, yeah. and so, um, yeah, and that, that became a constant, you know, and um, I, I was functioning with it, you know, but at the same time, I was, there was never a moment during the day where I wasn't high, you know, and, and it's, it's, it works great for some people. Heck, I wish I could, you know, just have a puff every once in a while, but that's not the journey for me. You yeah. know, I, uh, I remember I. I tried to quit one time, um, and then I ended up at a Pink Floyd concert, and I was sober for not the place you want to be if you're trying to quit. No, it's so <laughs> I was sober for uh, I would say four months, you know, from weed, and you know, uh, I anyway I ended up at the concert, and a joint gets passed my way, and I was I didn't even think twice; it was just like boom, you know, and then um, all of a sudden, you know, I was. Uh, I was high and I was like, God, this feels like it did when I was 19 or 17 again. This is amazing, you know? And, and literally every joint that came my way, it was just like out on the tongue, flipped out my cigarette pack and just started packing the doobies in there. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so my friends were like, where's the joint? Like every fifth one, I'd be like, Oh, here you go. You know, like, so literally I remember leaving that place. And I'm like, I don't even know how the hell I smoked weed all day, every day. You know, this is flipping crazy. Like I'm just going to go back and have weed every once in a while. And it was like the next day I smoked all of those joints. Damn. It was right back into the, yep. right back in. And I, by the end of the next day, I wasn't even high anymore. You know, it was just smoking to smoke to smoke. And it was, it was just, you know, it was, it was too much. But anyway, yeah, that's, that had been the constant. And that's why, you know, when I talk about, um, when I talk about, you know, sales and building on a foundation, you know, well, where are you at, you know? And so if you're going to build on sand, you know, that foundation is never going to be, or the, the growth is never going to be, you know, as if you were on a rock, you know? And so like, where are you at? And so like people will say, well, you know, ask this question. Don't ask that question. Ask this question. And the more sales books I read, I was like, God, they're just their mission, you know, the big part, you know, and the big part is, and I'm not saying abstinence is key or, you know, like you, you can't have sex till you're married or, you know, yeah, yeah. you don't ever puff a joint or, you know, that's not, not it at all. But I, what I found was, is whatever, like if your vice is controlling your life, you know, the, and it's not healthy because people work out and that's what they do. Good for you, you know, <laughs> like good for you. But if it's a vice that, that controls your life, that's unhealthy and, you know, you need to address that first because, you know, I have had people that, that I've worked with at different parts of my life that I've worked with again. And, you know, in my industry with what I do now, you know, I'm, like nationally out of all the AEs in the country, I would be a top 10 AE in the country, you know, out of everybody. 
And it's pretty, I'd say it's pretty bad. Yeah. You know, and, and, <laughs> but people, I remember they had asked, they said, well, what, what's different? You know, you seem like kind of the same guy, but what's different? I'm like, dude, I don't get high all day, every day anymore. You know? And they're like, what? <laughs> that, that got me thinking though. Cause that was the honest truth. But yeah, you know, overcoming that, I, I would say that part of the, you know, addiction, gene that i have for whatever reason was harder than meth you know for me and and that says a lot it, it was it, that says a whole lot actually meth was like you know i'm gonna die or i'm gonna die you know weeds just like for me and it said you know is was death on the installment plan you know it's like a little bit every day, you know, just to just slice you down, you know. And again, like I'm not saying, you know, you can't smoke a joint. I can't, right? Right. But and I don't judge people. I still have friends like the guy I own my subway franchise with. We're still really good friends. He actually works with me. Um, you know, it, it's like they can have, you know, a hit a day. Uh, I never was that guy, you know. If they had one bong load. I had eight, you know, <laughs> yeah. if they brought out an eight. You just got to know where you fit, like yeah, you said. Where I, are you? Like, I can have a drink of alcohol. Like, I, I could have, you know, a glass of uh, beer or, or bourbon and, and the next night not pick it up. You know what I mean? Or a week later have a sip or not or, you know, and it's not like where I'm like, it runs anything, you know? Yeah. And so... Yeah, I mean, that was the constant during my sales career, you know, and that's like uh, after the crash of the mortgage market, you know, in 2007, that's when I really started to take a look at myself and was just analyzing, you know. But yeah, I mean, the, um, you know, so uh, anyway, flashing back, um, yeah, did the lease financing and, you know, was a bouncer. <laughs> Just fun. <laughs> Literally, you know, slept barely. Um, you know, and and uh but I got back on my feet, you know, and I ended up getting my own place again. And um and that's when I started to get in the mortgage industry was two thousand two, right in the beginning of two thousand two. And that was like uh you know, I came from the inside out, so I worked as an account manager on the inside. So I learned the the business and and you know how loans fund, how wires go out, how you know the underwriters look at conditions and talking to the underwriters and talking. You know, so I figured out the business from the inside. Excuse me, the inside out. You know, which made me you know dangerous yeah that's valuable that's yeah. valuable information yeah and i came there not to be on the inside but they were like you have to learn because i want to do sales you know they're like you have to learn the business first and i did that so i was an account manager for like a year and a half you know and um you know i, I was funding you know the most units at certain months you know i was always like competitive and like trying to learn as much of it as possible. So by the time I went out in the field, I was, you know, able to put deals together, you know, and, and help brokers out, you know? And so, yeah, that was, that was the. And now with your background and just because I know, I know the industry as well, because when I was doing the insurance and the financial advising, uh, the majority of my clients were 
brokers and loan officers right and real estate agents that was because i would go in and i'd do magic tricks right and so i'd show like you'd be my client and then i'd go in and like just bring my deck of cards and then that's all it would take and then now i know everybody in the in the office right right right. and then at night we'd all go out and you know and it was like talk about some partying mofos oh yeah you know and so with your background (laughs) And then getting into that, so did that ever lead into any shenanigans? I mean, it had to. Oh right? yeah, yeah, did yeah. for sure. I mean, I, I I'll never forget, and I still talk to this guy to this day. You know, he's the coolest guy. I will not mention his name, but you know, he's Catholic. And I, I the first time, actually, the second time I met him, I met him in in you know, this is when you know, account executives would go to the brokers' offices, which doesn't usually happen anymore. But I went into the office. And I met him, you know, we got, we hit it off, you know. And so, like, two weeks later, I'm going in, and it was uh, um, it was Fat Tuesday. And so I go into the office, and he's got Coke all over his head, <laughs> like, all over. And yeah. he's just, like, he's, like, looking at me like, yeah, yeah. And I'm, like, you know, I'm, like, bro, are you okay? And he's, like, I'm fine. He's, like, it's the day before Lent. You know, and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to be abstinent for 40 days. So I'm really taking advantage of it right now. (laughs) And now he's married with kids, you know, and fully grown up. But it was funny because I was just like, my God, you know, this was Um, was crazy. Well, excuse me. We can laugh about it now, but at the time. So I, I also had some friends in a similar situation. I had one that was a broker that I came to visit. He was under his desk, literally <laughs> under his desk. And he had been there for a little while. Oh, yeah. Like he went off the deep end and he also, and, and then he had a lot and he lost it all. Oh yeah. And, and it's, you know, now he's, it's taken him years to turn things around and get oh, yeah. back up on top. You know, now he's living somewhere else, has a beautiful wife and a, another, you know, family and all that kind of stuff and is happy and is in a different kind of business. But but he really, like, went all the way, you know. Oh, and, yeah. it's, and and so so it's, it's good when you are talking to people that are still in the business, right? Oh, that, yeah. That they went through the hard time, but they're still, oh yeah, still trucking. Yeah, away. I I fully agree. I mean, I it, it is funny. I I I feel like when 07 happened, it was a it was a come to Jesus for a lot of people, yeah. you know. And you know, some people got it and some people didn't, you know. And it took me a while to get it, you know. I was that guy when, like. I rolled my 401k, which I only had 120 grand. And, you know, at that time I'm young, I'm spending money like water, right? I saved yeah. nothing, you know? Yep. So we, we lose, you know, the company closes in, in, in August of 07, my, you know, my ex-wife and I decide we're going to get a divorce in November. Oh man! And, you know, in, on January, what was it? 18th when the stock market crashed, I rolled. So right before that I rolled, I had nothing. So I was just like, you know, let's just throw the hell Mary, you know? So I was listening to my guy and he was doing puts and calls with the market. Oh no. Yeah. And so, um, he was like, well, you know, we got some plays here, you know, I'm like, I'm looking to be risky, you know? And so, I uh, did a, a deal with him in, in January 
of uh, 08. And, you know, I made 20 grand a day with my 120 grand. So I was like, okay. And he's like, so tomorrow, this is this is what I got. You know, we, we can make this play. And, and I, he's like, I feel like it's it's a maybe a 40, 60, 40, you know, you make it 60, you don't. But you could turn your 120 grand into a couple million dollars if you want to try it. And I'm like, dude, Roll it. <laughs> and that was that was the last time I saw that money. Like it literally was like that. And then it was like the crash of, you know, the market in 08 and the stock market. And I was just like, oh my God, you know. And so Damn. yeah, literally. Now you're divorced. Yeah. No, we're going through it, you know, all yeah. of all of the things, you know. And so yeah, I mean, it, it was it was it was crazy. I, you know, lost the house, you know, I, I ended up doing the short sale. It, it took them forever to take it though. So I didn't leave until 2011, you know, so it was oh, almost nice. three years of, you know, being able to, to, you know, I guess live in a box that I that actually had windows, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, no it was a cardboard house. <laughs> that was a real house that I did not pay a dime on for three years, you know? And, um, yeah, you know, but yeah, that was a, that was a, a humdinger, you know, <laughs> so yeah, we had all like the plays and that's why, you know, like I remember when I interviewed for the job at autotrader.com, it was literally, I think it was 300 to 400 mortgage professionals were all bidding for that job. They all wanted that job. There was one Holy available. Guacamole. So I, there were literally, I think, four total interviews, you know, and I needed that job so bad. You know, I was like, literally, like, I will jump through a hoop like that right now. <laughs> like, I just, you know, like, like, what do you want me to do? You know, and so when I when I landed that job, I was so, so just so thankful, you know, talk about a saving grace. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had already, you know, and it was at the point where I was like, my $150,000 a year job wasn't cutting the lifestyle that I had from before, right? So my monthly go and my monthly spend. So it was like, I have the house and the credit cards, all the ex-wife's credit cards and a car. And so I took that money and, you know, paid off some things that were federal, right? Because you don't want those debts. But it was the car and to be able to pay for myself to live, you know, and that was where I, where I was like, uh, I got to cut some losses here, you know, but yeah, I was, uh, that's why, you know, this whole, you know, being able to revisit the past and being an AE doing what I did before now, but with the mindset that I have now and where I've gone with it is gotten me to a point where I'm like, you know, I, I need to to, you know, share some of that experience and strength, you know, that I gained from, you know, falling and hitting, you know, my head on the ground and, you know, figuratively and literally. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it got into that. And so I, I even back in the day when I was the complete pothead, you know, I, I was they would fly me around the country to go train AEs, you know, after I got my, my spot, like I'd go to this office, talk to this group, take some of the struggling ones, go out in the field, help show them some of the ways, you know, and then I come back and, you know, a couple times a year I was doing that, you know, and flying out. And so I was already wow. used to, you know, helping and, you know, moving people along, you know, from point A to point B. 
you know, and so I, uh, that's, that's why, you know, I, I felt like, yeah, you know, I have something to say, you know, when it comes to like, like having that foundation, that's where I'm like, you know, you could take me before with all the talent in the world, I was a top five AE at my company, you know, nationwide, which doesn't say a lot, right? But now I'm like a top 10 AE out of every company in the nation. And the sales skills I had then were the same that I have now. What's the difference? And the difference is the foundations that I have nurtured my sales skills on is a lot more sturdy and in you know than than I had working then you know because then it was like everything that I needed was involved weed well I got mad at a burger smoke a joint you know <laughs> I I I didn't fund what I wanted to fund smoke a joint now it's like I didn't fund what I want to fund what am I going to do to make it better you know what I mean there's solutions there that don't involve a pipe you know and so yeah that's that's kind of like where I'm like yeah you know all of those those things and like you know i love gary v and i love all those guys and they have really great things to say but like where are you you know yeah and so that's what you know the 12-step program specifically which i'm not you know saying anybody has to do anything but that's what i did you know and applying that to my life in sales has been like you know instrumental in, in my success as a salesperson and i will tell you too like i feel like the constant need for growth and development as a human is you know like the people that are closest to me my loved ones would tell me you know <laughs> you need to work on this <laughs> but you know <laughs> right. can you hear it though you know and and a lot of times my ego says hey you know no i don't want to hear that right like you're 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 this you're that you know and i'm like dude i gotta stuff that ego way down all the time where I'm like, no, you know, I need that. Like, you know, and I need to constantly like look inside myself. So what do you think the role of, so you're married again. Yeah. How, how do you think that plays in your success? She's like, <laughs> she is like, uh, I mean, instrumental, right? I knew that I wasn't going to be the stoner. Like I, I never imagined myself on my porch, my cob pipe, that, that would be what my life would be. And I had a son, I had custody of my son, you know, how, and he's coming of age, how am I going to be a good dad? And, you know, and, and all of the things it, it's purely, you know, my wife, she's, she's amazing with that. Like she's, uh, you know, she's finishing up her doctorals as a, a PsyD, so she's a psychologist. So, you know, if there's ever, um, and she's been in Al-Anon, you know, for oh, a damn. long time, you know. And oh, wow. so, um, yeah, I was actually started in 12-step with Al-Anon, you know, as well. And Al-Anon, just for people that don't know, what exactly is Al-Anon? Al-Anon is like, is, cause is 12 steps for the family or of, of loved ones of addicts and, and how to deal and how to, you know, um, you know, how to focus on yourself as opposed to whatever else. Cause is the wind and shit can hit you in the face, but how you deal with it is all the difference in the world, you know? And it's not how, what the addict does to you. It's what you do with yourself when that happens. And so the tools of how to deal with that, you know, were definitely instrumental, you know, 
And, and it was funny because I remember being in Al-Anon and I was like pointing. I'm like, yeah, no, they have problems. <laughs> they have problems. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I need to pack my 10th bowl for a second, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you have problems and you. And and then, you know, there was a, a come to Jesus where, you know, I had told my, my wife that I quit weed. That was the Pink Floyd thing. So, so okay. we did all that. We were getting ready for marriage, you know, and uh, I did the Pink Floyd thing happen. And at that point, I was like a crackhead. You know, I was like, we didn't live together because she had her daughter. I had my son. We wanted to like, you know, we go to church. So it was like, yeah, we're going to do it right. You know, and so <laughs> do it right. But with weed. You know? <laughs> and, and so I was literally like a crackhead hiding it you know, for a couple months. And then, uh, one time, you know, I left my key in her car and I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I can't get in, you know, can you come by? And she's like, she just dropped me off. She's like, you know, yeah, I got to run this errand though. Like she was, had to do something. And so it would have been like an hour. And so I went to the management office. I'm like, can I get the key for my apartment? You know? And so they gave it to me. I go back and I'm like smoking the bowls and blowing it outside and smoking it and blowing it outside, smoking and blowing it outside. And then like, I was like, oh, and then all of a sudden I hear the key like in the door. And I was like, oh, oh my God, you know? And I'm like, I grab, I grab my canister of weed and I put the bong right here and I'm like flipping up a cigarette and trying to light it while I'm running to the bathroom. And my wife is on the phone and she just like came into the house and she sat down and was on the phone. She's like, you know, and, and had a 20 minute phone conversation. And then she hangs up the phone. She's like, I saw you, you know, I saw you. And I thank God that she was an outline because if she wasn't, we would have been done. She was like, you need help. Like, flat out like you need help and if you want to get it get it I, I love you I'm here for you she said all the right things you know where I was like if she tells me that she's gonna leave me then bye. you know what yeah. I mean which is not what she said you know and she's like you know you need help and so I then reached out to my you know girls in Al-Anon because it's pretty much all all females that that I had meetings with or whatever and they're like yeah there's marijuana anonymous and I'm like what you know Never heard of that. yeah so it was it was it was ma you know and i i've gone to narcotics anonymous mm -hmm. um i've gone to um uh um uh, there's the meth one i can't remember exactly what it is uh um but anyway yeah it, marijuana anonymous just suited me best you know and so yeah and that that i i sobered up right there is uh um june 26 you know so that's why i'm coming up on my my nine year you know which is is cool so yeah that was that come wow. to jesus moment because at that point when i was running to the bathroom it wasn't the event that she caught me you know like that was like it was what the lengths that i was going to to try and keep I this hidden and I was like looking at myself. I'm like, dude, you're just like you were with the crack pipe and your dad's going to walk in on you. You know, like you were that freaked out. And I was like, that's like too much, you know, like this has a hold on me, you know, and I need to cut it like it's got to go, you know. And so that was like the beginning of where, you know, I really started like getting serious about, you know, like 
living a life of, of, of you know, with those principles, the 12-step principles. It was just, you know, and and, and it was funny because I was in Al-Anon for probably about a year, year and a half, and I never worked the steps, you know. I never asked for a sponsor because I, I was, again, like, you know, you, you got problems, you have some problems, I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm here to help you. Yeah, yeah, you know. And so, um, but yeah, that was like, that was, you know, that was a big, a big step for me, you know. And, and that when, when I got the chance to go back into wholesale, that was when I was like, I know I could kill it now. Right. And I was just like, I'm not looking back, you know? And, you know, like also that thing I think is funny is like, if you're a pothead, you're smoking constantly throughout the day. And then I would sometimes come home at like three 30 and veg out on PTI, you know, or ESPN and just <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> you know, and just zone out for an hour and then like, Oh, I'll get back into work. And now it's just like, I get my work done. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like, I'm ready to get my work done. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. So the, what about, what are your thoughts on you helping others? I mean, you've come a long ways, obviously. Right. right. And you're in a, I would say you're in a position of success. Right. And abundance. Right. And I have my own thoughts on why that is. Right. Um, but, but one of my thoughts on that is helping others, is experiencing things so you can take that and parlay it. Right. To somebody else that's on their face. Right. Right. And so, but what are your thoughts on that? Do you think? I I mean, I'm all about it. And and that's where, you know, like it says in in our program, like, you know, the, like, you have to share it, you know, and that's part of, you know, doing it, like being a sponsor, you know, and having sponsees and, you know, doing that type of stuff. But that's kind of like where I'm going with my, you know, the videos that I'm doing and the things that I'm doing, because the reality of it is it it all revolves around sobriety, you know, and I'm not talking abstinence from any substance because I will be the first to tell you that I will have a glass of of bourbon every now and again, or a beer every now and again, but am I getting shit faced or drunk? No, you know? Um, but you know, I know, I, I know what will affect me. So what I'm, what I, what I'm doing is I'm trying to, um, you know, figure out a way to share my story, I think, and my experience. Um, and, you know, to start something there, because I feel like it, it, there's a lot going on with, you know, substance abuse, and, you know, the effects of and your life, your career on it, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, that that's, when I started doing videos for work, you know, three years ago, and blasting out it was eventually i started to get to a point because people have heard my story you know and they're like dude you you need to write a book and and there's a lot more to the story that's even coming out today but this is like just i think the the, the important parts but they're like you need to write a book and then you know i was like yeah you know maybe i will and then it started out with doing these videos and and i will tell you one of the the reasons why it's taken me so long to get here is because and even to this day like right now like my son and my niece who we she's like my daughter mm-hmm. they don't know about my sobriety story got it and so yeah. that conversation's coming 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and so that had been one of those protected subjects for me where I'm like, I can't, you know, but my wife and I have talked and it's time, you know, for them to know. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I think that that's a good thing. I think that's, you know, um, one of the, you know, as I grew up, I had older brothers, right. 10 years and nine years older than me. So they got into a lot of shit. Yeah. And because of their mistakes, I learned. Yeah. I made a bunch of my own mistakes. Don't right, get me wrong. Right. But they made some really bad ones that I was like, oh, yeah, okay. No, I don't want my life to be like that. <laughs> I'm going this way, you right. know, which helped. And so I, I think you doing that, I mean, nobody likes to admit, nobody likes to bring up stuff that is bad, drugs. Right. But guess what? There are drugs. There are freaking drugs. There are child molesters. Yeah. There are murderers. There right. are thieves. There are all of these things. And if your kid does not know, right, there might there's a there's a higher chance they're going to be a victim. Oh, and yeah. so it's like you know I think you're doing a good thing by pointing that out. Um, yeah. So okay, now the last question because I know you have a place to go. <clears throat> you got to go somewhere, but the last um, key piece of the puzzle and in success in my opinion from what we've talked about is daily routines or daily habits right and so what is do you have certain daily routines or daily habits that you are implementing or is it every day you just do something different what's your what's your secret that's been my you know my achilles heel you know um I'm organized and neat, but when it comes to planning a routine, that's something that I I always struggle with. And so that is actually what I'm currently working on. Like, yes, I, you know, I work out in the morning and that's every morning. Um, You know, I I have the same protein shake in the protein bar every morning (laughs) um, during the week, you know, and, um, you know, I have that down. I, you know, drink some coffee and sit down with my wife every morning. Um, and you know, outside of that, not yet. And so I was reading a book. Um, I can't remember the name of the title. It was the one I just read was, you know, how to, uh, manage your time and create yourself a better schedule so you can have more work-life balance. And so, I was reading that, you know, and so I, I'm going to be implementing some things like, you know, I, I would like, I'm not a, a meditated guy, but I would like to, you know, slow down my, my mind and meditate. You know, I do spend, you know, a couple minutes saying a prayer, you know, before the day begins, uh, the night before I always write down what I have going on the next day so I can kind of imagine it. Are you pretty, I, I've always done that. See, that's a big deal, man. Yeah. That's, I think I've always done that even back in my using days, you know? So I, um, I, I've always done that. That's one of the things that has been a, a consistent, you know, is, is, and, and, and Friday night when the weekends, I, um, I write out the next week, like an outline, you know, like I have, I have to be here on this day, this day, this day, this day, highlight where I need to be out, you know, and then write down the stuff I need to do Monday. Like I do that, you know, 
But um, when it comes to like what I was doing, so I read a book last year and and so every morning I was reading for, you know, 20, 30 minutes and then I was trying to meditate, you know, but I had no idea what meditation was. So I was like, you know, um, you know and I'm like, this is stupid. And I'm like, let me just sit here and breathe and think of nothing, think of nothing. I'm like, I can't do this. It's like my mind's just like, you know, and so I, I my projects are to to figure out you know how i can get my mind right better quicker faster in the morning and and develop more of that routine so so basically um you've talked about your story of of why you know of of your success right so as an outsider looking in and looking at you know you know when you taste something you're like what are those ingredients? Yeah. I, I, I definitely, there's some cayenne pepper in there and, you know, right. So, so as I'm, as I'm, uh, you know, trying to gauge what the recipe is, you know, the, there's a couple of, of bright lights that I'm seeing, right? The, the first one is self-reflection. Right. So I think if anybody is listening to this and they're trying to improve their situation, they want to be a successful person in whatever regard. Right. I think one of the most important parts is where are you at? Right. right. Ask themselves in the question in the mirror, where am I at? Right. And if you have habits that are deviating from the path where you're trying to get to, right. you're not gonna get there. Right. Or it's gonna take you a lot longer. And so just the, that self-reflection of looking and saying, that's not conducive to where I wanna go. Right. And being able to actually stifle your ego like you said shove it down there to do (laughs) it's very hard to do for some harder than others yeah because nobody likes to think about i'm not doing the right thing you know we all want to be the heroes we all want to be the good guy we don't want to be the bad guy we don't want to be the thief you know we want to be the good guys so self-reflection and what comes with self-reflection is humility oh yeah so what I see, what I'm listening, what I'm seeing is a big old piece of humble pie. Like I feel like you are sincere. And with humble pie comes sincerity. Right. Right? And so there's so there's two there's a big thing with with being humble and being sincere. Like you, like the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> what Chris Rocks, I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. do you hear the words that come yeah. out of my mouth? Do you hear me? <laughs> I feel like they come from a place of sincerity, right. which is is very important yeah. because if people don't trust you, then nobody's going to do business with you. Right. And I think that you're also making yourself vulnerable, right? And which makes you real. Oh yeah. You're not a cheesy freaking salesperson. Right. It's like, hey, let me tell yeah. you, this is the best. Oh, like, yeah. Get that shit away from me. You yeah. know, nobody wants to hear that. You're being real. You're being straightforward, and you're speaking from your heart. Oh yeah. So, and I think that comes across in your videos. Um, I think that you have activities like the fact that I get a. An email from you, I think every freaking day. Yeah. And there's a video like nobody else does that, dude. Yeah. Like I got, I got. There's a couple other ones that every sparsely, you know, here's right. one and here's one. But in my opinion, like that's a that's an indicator of success, man. Yeah. So thank you. Um, and the fact that you're here and you're sharing it. Yeah. Dude, you're 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 gracing me oh. with your presence. <laughs> 
honestly, <laughs> and whoever's listening to this, because you know, each episode that I've done, there's you know, there's a little nugget, right? There's nuggets of things that are cool, that are beneficial. Like you hear, and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. And this did not disappoint, man. So I guarantee that there's yeah, going to be people you. listening to this going, yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah. And I hope they look at themselves in the mirror and ask. I I need to be doing the same thing, you know. Oh yeah. So I constantly got to be reminding myself to check myself, and my wife will remind me if I don't remind me. Some bitch, yeah, <laughs> mine too. <laughs> yeah. There's a book. There's a book I read. It's called Atomic Habits. Oh okay. And this is one of the things. Like it's the best book when it comes to creating habits for yourself. It right. breaks everything down into the micro level, and it's basically the the moral of the story is little things every day right. add up to big things. And so, but my problem is I read it. I understand it. Why the hell am I not doing it? Right. And that's my struggle too. It's like, I gotta, oh, yeah. I gotta try to, to push because I want to be better. I want to be the best version of me. I want to do right. I want to, you know, have an impact. Oh yeah. And in order for me to have an impact, I have to do everything that you talked about today Yeah. and be sincere and self-reflect and be vulnerable and be humble and oh, yeah. and have activities that are going to make an impact and oh, so yeah. um amen anyway you so you, <laughs> i think i'm i've definitely gleaned some insight man yeah, so thank i appreciate you. you coming in yeah and i know you got shit to do yeah if somebody wants to get a hold of you they have they want to ask you about your story or yeah they could email me at justinsimpers.com Spell it. Uh, J-U-S-T-I-N-S-I-M is in Mary. P is in Paul. E-R-S <laughs> at gmail.com. I also have a website. It's justinsimpers.com. So, yeah, you go there. Yeah. Check it out. Videos. Email me. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thank you for your time. Yeah. And everybody out there in podcast land, podcast world, I love you. And I'm going to have to leave you. But... I'll see you next time.